Hey everyone, this is Know Your Potential NYP episode 20, and we'll be giving you some tips and tricks for flying in this new era of post-COVID travel. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Know Your Potential with David and Phil Nyo, your source for motivational insight and discussion of all things relating to business, technology, and life. We banter and interview like-minded individuals, striving to be the best version of themselves, generate value for society, and achieve the life they want to live. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Know Your Potential. I have David Know with me, fresh off of his vacation in Europe. What's up, Dave? Hey, Phil. How are you? How's, it, how's everything going? I hope all is well. Just came back from vacation, super tanned. Uh, summer is here, and you know what? Everybody is on vacation right now. Oh, yeah. It must have been super hot over there. I hear Europe is burning. Uh, right now, I think they're having some crazy heat with like 40 some odd degrees. So honestly, whoever's there, just stick by the pool, take lots of showers. That's pretty much my advice for that. <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess like everybody's doing like post-COVID summer travel these days. Um, so we thought it'd be a super good episode to actually help you guys out when it comes to traveling, since David and I have done quite a bit. Well, you know what it is? Um, everyone has been kind of stuck at home with, you know, with COVID now. So it's been about two years. So there's a big rush or sense of urgency for people to want to travel this year. Uh, so clearly there's a lot more travelers than there have been the past two years. And unfortunately, there's a lot less people working in the airline industry than there was previously. Uh, so with that, there's uh, a bottlenecks everywhere. And a lot of, uh, if, you, if you guys have been listening to the news, um, a lot of flight cancellations, lost luggages, people just not happy right now with their summer vacation plans. Yeah, the problem with like airport operations is that it all needs to work, you know, together, kind of like a machine, like a bunch of different gears need to work together. And when one piece is missing or one piece is too small and it doesn't work together that well anymore, you get into all these problems at the airport. Yeah, exactly. You know, at, at the airport, they ha- you have the, the counter agents, you have all the people that are working inside the airports handling, you know, for example, all your baggage, uh, the flight, atten- flight attendants, pilot. If any one of these people do not show up for work or they don't have enough people working for that, for that day, um, that really messes up everything for everybody, right? So again, all it takes is one section of the airport or airline um, not working, everything is going to be uh, backlogged. Yeah. And of course, during the pandemic, there were a bunch of layoffs in that industry. And apparently a lot of people have not gone back to working there. So I'm not surprised that they're having issues now from everyone from like counter agents to flight attendants to pilots to security personnel. So this um, episode is really to help you navigate uh, through some of the problems and provide some concrete solutions because we're all about solutions, eh, Dave? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Phil and I, again, as you mentioned before, we've flown hundreds of times I would maybe even say close to a thousand between the two of us. And uh, through all these times of traveling, uh, we've learned quite a few things. So, you know, as we mentioned, uh, this episode is going to be giving you some tips, some tricks, uh, some to do, some don't do's. And honestly, even just reminders of when it comes to traveling. I mean, a lot of it has to do with common sense, but sometimes you just need to have someone tell you that, oh, remember to bring this charge or remember to do that. You're like, ah, oh, right. Of course I knew that, but I just needed someone to remind me. And this is what this episode is all about. Exactly. I mean, some things have changed in regards to, you know, flying now post pandemic, but a lot of the tips that we have for you as well is actually pretty attributable to flying in any sort of situation. Um, But yeah, with with the um, special circumstances that we now have to deal with uh, due to 
what's going on uh, with everyone traveling and not enough people. Um, you know, David and I can give you some good perspectives on even what it was like before the pandemic and even what it is now post pandemic. We've done hundreds of flights like combined in our lifetime. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this year I already checked my aeroplan. It says I've done 26 segments. So <laughs> yeah, you, you've definitely been flying a lot more than I have, um, especially since you're getting ready for your, your wedding also next week. Congratulations, Phil. Thank you. So, so this episode is a little bit going to be helpful to all the family and friends that are going to be traveling into uh, Toronto next week. Uh, so again, hopefully they're listening and avoid some of the problems that people will be encountering. Um, and also with this episode, pretty much how we wanted to do, we broke it up into a, a few different segments. Um, so the first part would be, you know, tips and tricks to do before you travel, um, what to do on the day of your travel, uh, what to do when you're on your vacation, what to do when you're flying back home, and the dreaded questions of what, ha what to do if you lose your luggage or if there's delays or cancellations, just to give everyone a heads up as to what to expect on this episode. Yeah, fun fact as well, yesterday, um... Air Canada was the most delayed airline in the world with 60% of their flights being delayed. That's 316 flights out of a total delay in the world of 22,679 flights. That sounds terrible. And yeah, this Toronto is, why, I mean, is one of the worst. Yeah. Toronto's even, yeah, Toronto is the worst right now. I hear so many people getting their flights canceled. Delayed. Even in Montreal, I think they had to cancel X amount of hundreds of flights this summer because they knew that they were not able to accommodate all the people. They weren't able to offer the quality service is what they, they called it. Uh, so a lot of flights this year so far have already been canceled and I feel terrible for all these people. But for anybody else who is still traveling, um, let's go through this episode now. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Uh, so the first, some, for some of the first things before you travel, uh, some things, again, these are all things that I like to do, film I do, you might already be doing it, but again, use it as a reminder. Uh, first things first, I'll say, check to see that your passport is valid. Make sure that the expiration is, uh, is still good or you have enough pages on your passport. And if it's not good or not enough pages, make sure you go to um, you know, apply for a new passport as soon as possible. Because right now I hear some places are taking months before you get your passport. So that, to me, number one thing is make sure you have a, a good passport to be able to travel with. Yeah, to add to that, the expiration date is super important. Make sure you check that because some places won't even let you in if it expires within like the six months. Yeah, that's very true. I actually had a friend uh, which was rejected to go into, uh, I forgot which country it was because his passport was expiring, I think in three months time, even though he was going to come back before uh, the expiration that said it's not enough. So again, definitely a very good point to bring up. Um, also, when you're traveling, one of the most important thing is to be organized. Honestly, being organized is so important. And one of the simplest ways to do this is to make a simple sheet or even add it into your uh, Google calendars or uh, iPhone calendar. I, I usually like to make a little list of all the flights I have. So pretty much showing my airline, the flight number, the time it's flying, confirmation number for that flight, uh, and the same thing for my hotel. So again, I pretty much just have all the information for all my flights, all my hotels, I save it into one simple sheet and I share this with, uh, with my wife, with my kids, and sometimes even with, uh, you know, my, with my parent-in-law or my parents, just so at least they are aware where I'm going to be on which day and which hotel I'm going to be at, should they need to reach me for anything urgent. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, and also a huge handy tool, especially if you're going international, you won't always have a SIM card right away. I mean, generally you can get one at the airport, um, however, if you do not have access to internet right away, it's always useful to have uh, some sort of navigation tool like Google Maps to keep track of different things. 
but there's a really cool feature on Google Maps um, where you can download maps offline. I suggest you do that before you actually get into your impending destination, because then if you don't have internet, you can at least still navigate with it um, as like a GPS. Yeah, for sure. And on Google Map, pretty much, honestly, I have been using this not too long in, in a sense of like using it properly. So in Google Maps, there's actually a whole bunch of stuff you can go on, you can do on there. You can search for all the restaurants that are nearby you. And when you search on restaurants, you can uh, select the type of restaurant you want. And from there, you can see the ratings, you can see reviews, you can even see pictures of all the food of each restaurant. So that way you'll have a good idea if that restaurant fits you or not. Um, on Google Maps also, you can find uh, interesting attractions nearby if you're not sure where to go, what to do. Uh, grocery stores and pretty much pharmacies. Honestly, anything and everything you're looking for, you can use on Google Maps and it gives you a list of all the stores around. So you can kind of use that as your, as your guide and which way or which direction to go to when you're visiting anywhere. I would even, you know, do that before you book your hotel, just so you yeah. know what's around there. Yeah, for sure. If you can, if you have the time to do that, hundred percent. Again, um, planning ahead of time is so important, and if you can do that ahead of time, um, again, one of the biggest thing I find actually is reservations. If you find good res a restaurant you want to go to, make the reservation before you travel, just because it's happened to me before on the day of. I try calling a handful of restaurants; everything is full. So depending on where you're going, there are some restaurants which are, you know, could be amazing, might only have 20 seats available. And if you're, if you're not booking this before you travel and you're hoping to get a seat the day of, uh, most likely it's not going to happen. This is especially relevant for anybody going to Europe. You'll notice with Europe, um, you know, there's only so much space and there's always so many people and they eat dinner in like Barcelona at like 11 PM. So <laughs> yeah, good that's, luck that's, if you're that's... just doing walk-ins. <laughs> Exactly. So that's also something I experienced also. So for example, when you're on Google map, you can search for restaurants and what you can search for is restaurants that are open now, because as Phil mentioned, dinner starts later in some of these countries, like uh, in Spain. So when I was there also dinner only, uh, some restaurants only open their uh, doors at 9 PM. So had I looked for this restaurant at 7 PM and I was hungry and I went there without checking the time or anything, I would have been waiting for two hours before I could even have my uh, sit down meal or anything at all. Completely different lifestyle over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool though. It's very different. Uh, so some other things I like to do before traveling is I like to pack about 90% of my luggage, maybe like a day or two before I travel. So meaning again, you can probably pick out most of the clothes that you're going to be wearing on vacation, which you're probably not going to be wearing at home. Um, I like to make sure to pack all of my wires also, or most of them, uh, my pills. Well, by pills, I mean Advil, gravel, allergy pills, Pepto or sleeping pills or anything along those lines. It's just easier because you probably have a whole medicine cabinet. So what I would do is I'll grab pretty much a whole bunch of everything, put it in a Ziploc bag and just add it into my, my bags. Yeah, yeah, pills are especially important to uh, actually even check on, or sorry, like to carry on, sorry, not check on, carry on, um, or even have on your persons because there are, have been many nightmare stories of people actually checking very important, like, you know, diabetes medication or something like that, and your bag ends up getting lost. So, yeah, so make sure you have that on yeah. with you. Exactly, um, anything I important, have it on you. A couple of other important things to pack with you, I would say, are portable chargers and uh, portable speaker phones. Again, for me, when I travel, having you know juice on my cell phone is so important. The last thing I want is for my phone to ever run low or out of battery while I'm tra uh, traveling, just because it's so important to have the that the access to internet, your phone, your calling whoever it is, or just to check um, your your calendar for again even your hotel where it, all my information is on my phone. So if my phone dies, I'm kind of in the dark. 
so that's why to me again having your phone charge and having extra chargers for your phone while you're traveling super important speakers you know it's just cool to have speakers around when you're in your hotel room just to listen to music whatever it may be um yeah super small doesn't weigh much and add so much value it's it's arguably worse to lose your cell phone than it is to like lose your passport like yeah you need to i know how to so. get to the embassy <laughs> that's exactly it uh, you know, and, and again, honestly, right now with all the problems that we're having with, as we mentioned before, airlines losing luggages, um, the number one thing we would try to say is avoid checking in a luggage if you can, right? So right now, carry-ons is pretty much one of the most um, easiest thing to travel with. You don't have to worry about checking it in or giving it to someone, which you may or may not see it again in hopefully the next day or a few days like me, like when I lost my luggage in Europe. Uh, so again, when you're, when you're traveling with a carry-on, uh, you can pack lighter, um, you know, make sure not to bring any liquids that are over hundred milliliters. And if you feel like your, uh, your, your, your carry-on is not enough, I actually also sometimes carry with me a duffel bag. So for example, my, my shoes, which aren't as heavy, but they're clunkier, I might put them inside my duffel bag. And a lot of times when I'm walking through the airport, I'll actually just have my duffel bag sitting on top of my carry-on walking by. So it's really not that much of a, a nuisance for me. And again, you get to carry on a lot more stuff. Yeah, duffel bags are super modular, which makes it so amazing. You'd stick under your seat if it if the overhead bin is full. You know, speaking of the, like overhead bins, because there's been so many issues with checking baggages and, and actually receiving your bag uh, at the destination, there is an incentive now for everyone to try to carry stuff on. So if you are like zone four and you're trying to get some overhead bin space, chances are you probably won't get any. It's very, it, everyone's fighting for the same space. However, you can look at it as like, it's the better of two evils where at the very least, if you try to uh, bring it on board and it is full, at least they'll just put it down the chute so that it gets on the plane at the very least. Yeah, that's what it is. Honestly, I, I would rather know that for sure my carry-on is on the plane and I just have to wait 30 minutes, 40 minutes at the luggage belt from the, at the next airport, then to be checking something in at the, uh, at the counter when you first come into the airport. And again, there's no guarantees your, your bag will make it to the next destination spot. Just because there's a lot of people that don't understand. They think that as soon as you drop off your bag to the counter, it goes straight up onto the airplane. That's really not how it works. They go on a belt or many, many different belts around the airport for I don't know however long until eventually it gets onto a truck. And then hopefully, eventually, that truck gets to the aer uh, airplane, which someone will be putting it in. So again, it takes probably about an hour for your luggage to get to the airplane. There's there's a lot of points of failure within that process, comparatively to you trying to actually bring your uh, your carry on bag with you. So yeah, carry on is honestly the best way to go right now. Uh, so some other tips before you travel, uh, I would say call a taxi the day before to schedule your pickup. So again, as much as I like using Uber, sometimes trying to find an Uber at five in the morning is not the easiest. So that's why the day before I'll just call a, a taxi company, let them know, hey, I need uh, someone here at this time. I'm going to the airport. And uh, honestly, I've never had any issues with taxi companies or taxis being there in the morning to pick me up since I think that's a lot of their business, right? Taking people to the airport. Yep. Um, what else do we have here? We also have check in online 24 hours beforehand. This is something so simple to do, but a lot of people don't. And to give you a quick uh, little story, pretty much when I was in Europe, I I went to one of the airports and when uh, I was checking, when I was trying to check in, they asked me if I had uh, checked in online before. I said, yeah. So pretty much they let me through and asked him, why were you asking that? He says, pretty much if you didn't do it online yet, 
I would force you to do it right now before you can see the counter or the agent because we're just so busy that these agents can't be doing all these things manually for you. They want you to pretty much have everything taken care of. They just want to go in, see that all your information is there, it matches, and they let you through. It actually doesn't make any sense anymore for you to go to a check-in counter desk just to check in. It, it like The reason the technology exists is to reduce this sort of workload on the counter agents. And especially if you are traveling with a ultra low cost airline, very, very likely um, if you need any support, there's either one person at the, the check-in counter or you'll have to like email or call some sort of phone line. Like there won't even be people there to actually help you. So the best thing for you to do is actually just minimize your points of contact any way possible to any human if even necessary. So like by you doing the check-in process online, you'll get bag tags right at the airport from a machine. You don't need to talk to one human being. And that is actually the better way to do it. Yeah. And that, and also, you know, if you're counting on someone there to help you fill in all the information, I mean, as they have to go through hundreds of people, they might have more a higher chance of putting in the wrong information. Whereas when you're doing it in the comfort of your own home, you're spending a few extra minutes, double, triple check. Okay, cool. All the information is good. Again, it makes everybody's life a lot easier also, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a little small trick here, which again, I don't know if too many people do it. Uh, what I, again, because prior to this whole COVID problem in flying, we used to check our, um, our, our bigger luggages in. And one of, I, I know one of the most biggest anxieties or stresses people have when they're checking in big luggages, am I over the weight limit or am I under it? So one of the little trick, what we did was we actually went on Amazon. We bought a luggage scale, which is probably like 10 or $15. And we actually use that scale now at home. Whenever we're checking anything in, we, you know, we weigh it to see if it's overweight or not. And we actually bring it with us also on vacation. So that way on the way home also, after buying all of our extra, whatever, whatever it is, clothing, souvenirs, um, sometimes it might get you know, over the weight limit. So again, when you have that extra little scale, it just gives you peace of mind. So that way you don't have to go to the airport and then for them to tell you, Hey, you're two pounds over the limit. You got to open up your luggage in front of everybody and take two pounds out. Like, so again, avoiding that you know, scenario is so important to me. That's why I, I spend the 10, $15 to buy a scale to weigh all my stuff before going to the airport. Yeah. I, I don't, don't even know how else to add to that. That's such a good, good <laughs> trick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another one would be uh, take a picture of your passport and your luggage. So again, saving this information on your phone or in the cloud is so useful because again, there has been time when people have lost their passport, but at least if you have a picture of your passport, that definitely counts for something. Uh, same thing for your luggage. If you lose your luggage, but at least you have a picture of it when you're sending, when you're, when you're talking to the agents there, it's going to be a bit easier by showing them a picture. This is exactly what it is. And this is what you should be looking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, also another thing which I like to do, Phil kind of said, yeah, he's not sure how to do this exactly is, um, I like to add an extra bag tags on my luggage and on the tag, I'll actually put in like my full name, my full home address, my telephone number, my email address, um, in case if my luggage gets lost, uh, again, if it's lost in the airport, technically they, they have a scanner, they're able to scan it and see where this you know, baggage is supposed to go. But on the off chance, if I lose it outside of the airport or whatever it is, you know, at least on the, on the luggage, there's a tag with all of my information. Hopefully somebody will call me or even, you know what, if somebody accidentally takes my bag because we have a very similar identical bag, they take it all the way to their airport, uh, to, to their hotel. And then, and then they realize at least from there, they hopefully have my information, how to reach me directly. 
and we can resolve it that way. So for me, having a tag with my name and contact information, super important, just in case if I lose my bag and someone finds it. Yeah. So, you know, obviously just put whatever information that you're comfortable with, as long as there's a way for them to reach you somehow, it's always good for them to be able to identify um, how to get this bag back to the person it belongs to. However, there are technological solutions to this as well for you to know where your bag in, is in the world. Um, you can add a tracker or an air tag to your luggage. And actually I had a, a friend at work that actually did uh, this, although unfortunately he never ended up getting his bag back. He knew it ended up in some warehouse somewhere at the very least. <laughs> so, oh man, yeah, I, poor I don't guy. know if that's more stressful of anything, at least no, knowing where your bag is and never getting it. So, <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah, you know, However, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, the, the other great thing is if you actually know where your bag is at the moment, it actually helps a lot. Like um, my fiance, Stephanie, actually had a bag that was sitting in um, in the airport in Calgary, where she was, uh, where she headed to, um, but it sat in the pile with a bunch of other luggages, which is generally the case of what's happening right now. You'll see pictures of a bunch of luggage just sitting in one place. Um, but if you know that your bag actually made it at the very least in the city, because sometimes the airline will not know where your bag is at any point in time, which is ironic, but you know, with your air tag. Yeah. So at least no, it, like you can look for it. And, and it's absolutely true. That's the thing. You know, a lot of times when their bags are coming back or flying from certain uh, airport to airport, they're supposed to update you or update their internal system saying, oh, hey, your bag has arrived to this airport. Now you can pick it up. But again, they may not be doing that right away. So at least if you have that track or the air tag and you know that your luggage from Venice uh, has come back home to Toronto, at least, you know, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to the airport now, talk to people and say, this is my, my bag. I know it's here. Let's try to find it. Uh, another small thing which we didn't mention before is just change your money at home also so depending on where you're traveling to um, from my experience it's always been it's always I've always had a better rate when I change money at home as opposed to when I'm overseas so again one of those small things that helps you save a few dollars here a few dollars there it makes a difference when you're uh, when you're traveling yeah the other alternative to that is there are some credit cards or some um, other like smaller banks and stuff that will actually have no foreign exchange fees in which uh, you know they don't tack on an extra fee when you're using your card abroad. But then also to keep in mind, some places do not accept credit cards or debit cards, so you might you know have to end up using cash. Like I know Japan is a very cash-driven system as well over there. So just you know do some research um, before you travel there. Yeah, for me honestly, wherever I travel in the world, as much as I have credit cards and debit cards and all these different cards, uh, having local currency is always very convenient just in case for whoever it is that you want to give it to that may not be taking cards and generally us dollars is accepted in most places so that's always a good handy currency to have around so us dollar is kind of like the currency of the world right now yeah all right so i think we more or less covered the whole what to do tips and tricks before the the traveling uh now let's get on to the day of traveling or at the airport uh first things first Check to make sure you have your passport before you leave the house. So your wallet, your passport, money, all that stuff. Super important. Um, getting to wherever you want to get, you're definitely going to need all of that. Uh, I, I've definitely left my house with the wrong passports before. So that's kind of like my own little personal story there. 
Um, other things would be uh, check your flight on Google before you leave your house. Again, because there are so many delays and so many cancellations, uh, you don't want to get to the airport and then realize, oh, crap, my flights are actually canceled and then trying to find a solution. So again, when you wake up, first thing before you, you travel, whatever it is, get on your phone, check Google flights. Is my flight on time? Is it still going? And at least you kind of know how to start your day. Yeah, sometimes it's it's actually predictable for the airline, so they'll notify you as soon as they can. But I would say most of the time, delays happen um, closer to the time they're actually supposed to board you. So, you know, uh, just keep an eye out on, on your phones and make sure you're updated on what the status of your flight is. Another cool little tip is uh, if you know um, what flight you're on, you can use something called FlightAware. Uh, FlightAware will also track the, the plane that is supposed to be used for your flight, you can track the incoming flights of that plane. So if that plane is being delayed or it's falling behind while it's incoming to your destination to pick you up, um, you can generally predict that it might be delayed, but obviously it's not a guarantee. So just a little trick if, if you're curious. Yeah, for sure. That, that's definitely, that, that helps a lot. Again, just being aware and knowing uh, ahead of time if, you're, if your plane is going to be arriving on time like it's, it was scheduled to be. Um, again, if again, one of the other things would be, you know, where it is in your control or power is pretty much arrive to the airport three to four hours before your flight. Honestly, prior to all of this pandemic issues and flying issues, I used to pride myself in getting to the airport like an hour and 15 before my flight. I would have 15 minute window just to drop off my luggage or whatever it is, go through security, boom, I'm, I'm there. I'm on the plane, no stresses. Uh, but now with all these delays and extra lineups, extra security checks, uh, I'm, I try to get there three, four hours before. And if I get there too early, I mean, for me, I know my baggage is in the airport, hopefully on the plane. And then any extra time I have, read a book, go on your laptop, do a bit of work, or even have breakfast or lunch. So again, having that peace of mind of getting to the airport earlier is so much more important now um, and again, especially with all the problems happening right now, just get there earlier. Don't chance it. Don't risk it. Don't give yourself anxiety for no reason if you don't need to. Exactly. But a quick little, uh, little information here about um, some airlines will have a policy in which they will only take your checked baggage a certain amount of time before the actual flight. So I think uh, at least the last time I checked for Air Canada, they wouldn't actually allow me to check my bag more than three hours early from the flight. But, yeah, three hours know. is usually the time also. Uh, some you know, gates or some doors for the, the counters don't open until three hours before the flight also. So again, it just dep depends on how you want to fly, but get there a little bit earlier is how I, I think is, is the best uh, course of action right now. I mean, for me, if I have a couple of week vacations slash a few thousand dollars spent for this vacation, I'm not going to risk it by trying to get that extra one hour of sleep in the morning. It, it's not worth it, worth it for me right now. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing quite like stress trying to go through a security line, right there. <laughs> no, for sure, it's the best thing. I mean, uh, you know, one of the other things with going through a security line, as we we're talking about, uh, one of the little things that you can do for going through a security line, which I like to do, is pretty much as you're lining up and you know you're going to go through security. I just take. I, I usually I travel with my man purse, so I have like, all my wallet and all my passport information in there. But at the same time, what I'll do ahead of time is I'll take off my watches, I'll take off my ring, my, if you have any necklace, jewelry, anything you have in your pants pocket, just shove it all into your bag. So that way, when you put it on the secure on the uh, on the belt to go through security, uh, you won't have ten loose items around, and that way it's going to avoid uh, potentially getting anything stolen. 
potentially having anything uh, forgotten. Because again, at the same time, when you're going through that security, I know when you have all those bins, you're taking your bag, your jacket, you have so many things. Sometimes you do forget one or two things. So again, to avoid that, just put everything in your bag before you go, uh, go over the security. This way, after you pass security, all you have to do is grab your one or two bags and then you have everything with you. Yeah, no, I, I especially love the fact that you call it a man purse. I call it a satchel. Is it a satchel? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think man, man purse is what they call it. I mean, I mean, that's what I use, so. But I don't, I don't carry one of those. So I do the exact same thing, but I do it on my, uh, my like carry-on uh, laptop work bag. So I stick everything in there and then basically just have basically one bag and then have the laptop out for inspection and, and stuff. But otherwise, like the less little pieces you have laying around the better like i'll take my watch i'll take any sort of jewelry and everything same thing just put it all in one place and then just get in get out of there as fast as you can yeah it just makes everything uh, much more you know easier convenient and uh, lower chances of losing uh, any of your items mm -hmm. and uh, also go yeah. go like for security um one of the great things that you can do especially as like a north american is to get like a nexus card so Nexus will allow you into like some of the priority security lines as well and uh, qualify you for like TSA pre-screen in the US. So that will significantly cut down on the things that you actually have to take out for security. Like you don't have to take out your laptop for TSA pre-screen or anything like that. Um, the, you get basically a very specific line that's generally shorter. I had very few occasions where like the priority Nexus line was not actually faster because sometimes it is prone to bottlenecks because it's generally like one out of, you know, 10 security lines that are yeah. open. So, so, you know, use your judgment. Sometimes, um, I, I would say most of the time though, the Nexus priority line is worth it. And it's only like $50, I think, for you to actually for, apply. For five it's years, so yeah. It. It's so worth and, it. And talking about lines and stuff, uh, people, please, 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 I see this way too often, use your common sense and just look to see if there is more than one line to get to that, you know, security check or go, go through wherever it is. Because oftentimes uh, I see that there might be one line that's super long and people just automatically go line up in that line because they assume that is the line to get in. Uh, but oftentimes I'll just walk around and I'll see, hey, look, there is a second or third line on this side that nobody is going to line up over there and it all goes through the same spot. But the only thing is people don't realize this shorter line is also a line that goes to the same spot because I guess people just like to line up in longer lines. I don't know how that works. So again, it sounds super, super, like it's common sense to all of us you know, listening to it right now and talking about it. But trust me, there's been enough times I've gone through airports or even uh, carnivals anywhere with more than one lineup and people just choose to line up in the longer one because they feel it's safer because they know people are lining for something there. Yeah, generally there are multiple entrances to the secure area from, um, from the airport. As long as it's in the same terminal and you can still get to your plane, there's always like multiple different uh, security checkpoints that you can go through. Some of them will be shorter than others. And sometimes the airports are proactive in actually telling you uh, either in person or through a computer screen that like, you know, security line D is better right now. So go, go use that one, even if your flight is at like A something. Yeah, no, definitely do that. Um, another thing, again, as I mentioned before, I'm a stickler for making sure my phone is charged. So if you're at the airport and you, you're, you're sitting there and you see there's an outlet to charge your phone, charge it. If you're on the airplane and there's a way to charge your phone, just charge it. Again, it doesn't take much effort. It doesn't cost you anything to charge it. 
um, giving you that peace of mind of knowing you have extra battery on your phone, super, super useful when you're traveling. Yeah, nothing uh, worse another, than, than that, yeah. No, for sure. Uh, another small trick I like to do is usually, again, there's been times when I've gone on the airplane, I've been thirsty and the people working on it, they don't give you water or whatever until like an hour, an hour in, something like two hours into the flight. So ever since that's happened to me, I just make sure to quickly, you know, buy a bottle of water at the airport, bring it onto the airplane with me. So that way uh, I'm not at the mercy of the flight attendant for some water. <laughs> again, it, it sounds so silly, but for me, it's just, again, when you're, when you're dying of thirst, it, it's not fun. Even better, Dave, just bring your own water bottle. <laughs> you, then you'll always have one on you and you can fill it up after you go through security. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, with a whole water bottle, especially in Europe, there's actually a lot of uh, water fountain places, you know, places where you can fill up your bottles and they actually encourage you to walk around with a reusable bottle as well. So again, save money, be more eco-friendly and just be hydrated, right? That's always a good thing. Exactly. Uh, some other tips is uh, if you're flying somewhere that has a, there's a time difference between where you are and where you're going, I try to acclimate myself to the time of wherever I'm going. So for example, when I'm leaving um, you know, Montreal to go to Paris, there's a six, seven hour time difference and the flights are usually at maybe like six, 7 p.m. So right away, I try to go to sleep right away because at 7 p.m. Montreal time, that's kind of like uh, 2, 3 a.m. in Europe, so in Paris. So that's why, again, wherever you're going, try to acclimate yourself to their time. If you need to force yourself to stay awake, do that. If you need to force yourself to go to sleep, do that. So that way, when you get to wherever you're going, the destination, hopefully your body will be a bit more acclimated to the time zone there and you'll be able to enjoy your vacation right away and not feel exhausted because of the time difference. Or if you're like me and can't drink, just you know have a glass of champagne or something and pass out on the plane. So that's a fun fact about Phil for anybody who doesn't know. He can pretty much literally get drunk from smelling alcohol. And at three sips of a beer, he will pass out. So he's definitely the cheapest date that I've ever met or known. So if anybody wants to uh, get Phil drunk, just get him half a beer. <laughs> uh, some other small things I like to do also, uh, before my plane's about to land, I like to spend about 10, 15 minutes uh, stretching a little bit on the plane just to wake up your body. I'll go into the washroom, I'll wash my hands, wash my face, kind of like rinse my mouth, uh, small things like that, just to wake your body up. Because again, if you're flying for six, seven, 10, 12 hours, uh, it's a lot on your body, right? So expecting to land and get ready to go right away, it's going to be a lot. So again, spend 10, 15 minutes, stretch, wake yourself up, get your body ready, because as soon as you land, you're going to have to go through the airport, get your luggage, get to the taxi. There's a lot of stuff you got to do. So again, wake your body up before you land. So helpful. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then uh, we have another point here for try to using the <laughs> try to use the bathroom before you get off the plane. So that way you can save time going through like security and customs. Um, generally, like if you're like me, I, I actually don't do this. This was a, this was a tip of David's, but um, but it makes sense where like a lot of people who get off the planes right away go straight to the bathroom. Because yeah, and honestly, so for plane. example, if you're flying international and you're coming into Montreal, what happens is you have to go through customs. And when you get off the, the plane, I see a lot of people, okay, cool, I got off the plane, let me go spend the five minutes to freshen up in the washroom and then I'll slowly walk to the custom line. During that five, 10 minutes when you're in the washroom break, how many people have passed you? So one of, my, one of the things I do with you know, Kathy and the kids before we land, we say, hey, everybody go use the washroom because as soon as we land, I like 
speed walk. Oh, I don't want to say run, but I like speed walk all the way to customs as quickly as I can, because there have been times where I, I've passed, you know, like quite a few people and every single person you pass probably saves you, let's say, I don't know, like a minute or two uh, during the lineup. So if I'm passing like 50, 60 people, that's an hour I'm saving. So again, these are little small things that once you travel a lot, you know what to do or what not to do. Again, for me, I just make sure to like pretty much run to, to, to custom so I can get through before anybody else and just go line up for my baggage and, and get out of there. So again, small tip, not you don't need to do it. But again, for me, it just saves time after I land uh, wherever I'm going. Yeah, I'll take this opportunity, opportunity again to shill Nexus Global Entry. That will severely cut down the, the amount of time you need to wait in the customs line as well. Yeah, so a final tip at the airport, and this is just more of like a, Maybe I'm a stickler, but you know, it's a pet peeve of mine. It's pretty much, you know, when you're getting off and you have to pick up your luggage and everyone's, you know, waiting for the luggage. I despise it when everybody just goes straight up to the, the luggage belt and they're all just standing right in front of it so that nobody behind can see. Because I've actually traveled to some airport, international airports where they actually have stickers and they tell you, please stand, you know, two feet away from the, the luggage belt. So that way there's a clear you know, way, a path of vision. So everybody can see the luggage belt. Everybody can see what lug luggage is coming up. And when your luggage is there, you'll move forward, pick up the luggage and get out of the way. As opposed to when everyone's all stuck around together, huddled together uh, at the luggage belt. Even if you see your luggage and you're trying to carry it out, there's so many people next to you, it's hard sometimes. So again, simple, small thing is just, when you get down there, please just stay two feet away from the luggage belt so everybody has some distance to, vis to visually see all the luggage that's going by. Small thing, that's, that's just me. It's, it's just common courtesy at the end of the day, like as well, like you also don't want to hit other people when you are, you know, pulling your luggage off the belt. Like it's dangerous to actually even be close to the belt. And sometimes the bag is also not right up against where you're standing. You'll have to reach further for it. So just, you know, be mindful of, of other people. Exactly. It's what it is. Um, so and pr that pretty much wraps up that part of it. Now, some tips and tricks of when you finally get to your destination or during your vacation. One of the first things I like to do, again, maybe the things that I do, I'm, I'm a bit more of like a, a dad or a family man. So maybe these, these are the things I kind of do, maybe different from someone who's traveling on their own. Uh, but when I travel, I get to the hotel or Airbnb. First thing I try to do is look for a grocery store that's not far away. I'll go down there, pick up water, fruit, drinks, snacks, whatever it may be for breakfast or whatever it is, just so that way, whenever I need anything, it's readily available for me in the hotel room, or I don't have to pay $10 for a bottle of water in the room. And I just picked it up from the grocery store across the street. So again, very small, simple thing to do, but it's just going to make it so much more convenient and more comfortable when you're there. Yep. Spend some time on Google maps, see which restaurants are near you. Um, look at the reviews, ratings, and stuff like that if you haven't already planned what you were going to do. It's always good to get accustomed to the area that you are going to spend a couple of days in. Yeah, and a lot of times, actually, when I travel, I like to book uh, hotels or Airbnbs that are pretty much near the center of the city or wherever I want to go because, one, it's just um, easier walking distance to everything for a lot of the restaurants, for a lot of the attractions. But also another cool thing that what I like to do with my family is that Usually, depending where you're going, uh, and again, everybody has a capacity, meaning how much time they can spend outside of the home before they get exhausted. So for us, usually I would say like we like to go out, explore something for about two, three hours. We'll come back to the hotel or the Airbnb, take a quick 30-minute uh, refresher, and then we'll head out again to the next spot, and then we'll come back. So again, to me, that's why it's pretty useful having an Airbnb hotel that's 
close to everything. So that way I can go check out one thing and come back and just keep going back and forth and never feel exhausted. Yeah, and uh, make sure to definitely use the, the public transportation feature when you're navigating uh, to like the airport, to your Airbnb, so that uh, like in places like Europe where public transit is much more accessible than say utilizing a taxi or, or a car, um, and also more cost efficient, you know exactly what you need to do to get there, uh, whether it's a train or something you need to get on. Yeah, and when you're checking all these things, again, usually you're gonna have to use data, right? You're gonna have to use your internet. And again, from you know, from for us in Montreal, what it is is with Bell, uh, they charge about fifteen dollar roaming fee per phone. And so whenever we travel, I make sure that Kathy turns off all of her roaming because it doesn't make sense for both of us to be paying the $15 a day roaming fee uh, when she doesn't really need to use Internet throughout the day. I mean, whenever she does need it, we'll probably be in the hotel at the, uh, at, a, at the airport somewhere that provides uh, the Internet. Or again, I'm, I would be the one that would have it again myself. So one person paying $15 times you know, 12, 13, 14 days, that's already a lot. There's no reason that two people have to pay for this fee. So again, one person having the uh, internet at all times, super important, but avoid having two people if you don't need to. Or just get the SIM card in the region that you're in. It's generally yep. cheaper. For sure. And then as I mentioned before, Wi-Fi connections, there are free Wi-Fi connections around. Uh, just be wary and cautious as to which free Wi-Fi you're connecting to because not all of them are um, proper or safe. Some of them are actually set up by hackers. So that way, when you're logging on and using the, the internet off of them, uh, they can see everything you're doing and everything you're typing in. So again, be smart about that. Yep, and especially also your belongings as well. So always keep an eye out for your luggage, your wallet, phones and stuff. Depending on where you are, uh, you'll have to be more vigilant. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, like if you look lost or if you look foreign, uh, generally your target. So just be, be mindful of your surroundings. Yeah. That's like one of the first messages I got from like so many people, actually, when, when I was traveling to all these places in Europe, uh, I had so many messages, be careful of pickpockets. Uh, they travel in groups, they're professionals, they're this or that. And by a lot, I'd say at least like over 10 people messaged me. So again, I don't know if they experienced anything or also one of those, just be cautious, be mindful. Uh, but again, it, it never hurts just to be mindful and know your surroundings for yourself, for your spouse and kids. Again, it's just a good habit to have also, right? That, that's what your satchel is good for, your man purse, because it keeps exactly. it right to your body. And, and you can also just put it under your sweater or something like that and cover it up. It's yeah, very... super useful, super useful yeah. when, when I'm traveling. Um, when you're there, honestly, if, if you're into this, shop. Shop, as, you know, shop, go shopping, buy whatever you need, whether it be um, stuff you need for your Airbnb, or when I'm talking about shopping is more of just clothing, luxury goods, anything you want. Uh, because for Canadians, when we leave the country for more than 48 hours, we actually get a $800 uh, duty free uh, exemption. Uh, so again, it has to be 800 Canadian dollars. So don't make the mistake of buying 800 euro and then saying it's duty free because they say, no, no, you have to convert to Canadian dollars. And then you just have to pay taxes on what is above the $800 duty free. Uh, and, yeah. and in regards to that, don't lie to the customs officers when you're coming back. Um, that'll generally create much more of a hassle for you. And you could definitely get flagged, um, which will make you coming back into Canada much more complicated on any subsequent uh, returns. I mean, like to give you an example, just being completely honest with the customs officer where I declared um, 
$1,200 instead of $800 goes a long way. He just let me go without actually paying any extra duties because I was honest. So, yeah, so pretty much, um, you know, that kind of goes part to like our, our next part with the whole coming back home, flying back home, the things that you should do. And, and as Phil mentioned, do declare these things just because, again, if you get caught for lying, um, the penalty is pretty high. One, they charge you 40% on everything. Uh, but that's not the bad part. The bad part is you will get blacklisted for seven years. And this is what the, the custom agents told me. Uh, you get blacklisted for seven years. And what that means for the next seven years, whenever you come back into the country, they will 100% pull you into secondary and check all your luggage and check all your receipts and everything because they know that you have previously lied to them and they can't trust you anymore. And every time you get pulled to go to secondary, if you're lucky, you'll be out of there in 30 minutes. If you're not lucky, it could be more than two hours, which, which I've had to wait two hours because of a super, of, of a super long lineup. So again, you don't want to get blacklisted because it's going to make your life miserable whenever you travel. So for me, it's not worth it. I declare it. Uh, and again, for you guys, I would suggest the same thing. You know, and, and again, so coming back home, some of the things you want to pay attention to, easy, common sense, of course, you know, stay clean, organize, make sure your bags are more or less, you know, always, you know, prepared to be packed up. Um, check in 24 hours before your flight. Again, so simple. We've mentioned before for when you're checking in to fly to wherever it is, you want to do the same thing when you're flying home. Um, you also want to plan and calculate the time required to go from your Airbnb or hotel to the airport, you know, at least the night before. So at least you're aware how many hours you want to be there before, how long it's going to take you to travel there. Uh, if it, and if it makes sense for you to just take the public transportation or if it's better for you to take the, uh, the taxi sometimes. To give you an example, uh, when, I was, when I landed in Paris, to take the public transportation from the airport into the city was uh, like 10, 11 euros each. So it came to 40, 45 euros roughly. And then on the way back to the airport, we took a taxi, which cost us 50 euros. So really it cost us only six euros more to take a taxi as opposed to a public. And instead of being one hour, it took us like 25 minutes. So again, these are all things you have to kind of calculate. And you get the convenience. So, you know, everybody's in a different situation, do your own calculations. And if it makes sense for you, grab a taxi. Yeah, you know, honestly, if you're one person, I get it. T pay the 10 euros to get in, it makes a lot of sense. But if you're four or five people, when you add all that up together, it's probably the same price as, as taking a taxi anyway. So that's why, you know, calculate to see what makes sense for you. Mm -hmm. And now for shopping, you, you had a thing here. About yeah, yeah, for the, for the shopping part, pretty much, again, the whole duty stuff we were just talking about, but also when you're you know, shopping in Europe, pretty much, they charge you a 22% VAT. And as long as you ask them to provide you with the uh, export receipt, pretty much saying that you're going to be leaving the country and they're going to return you up to roughly about 11% of the VAT. Um, to do that, you need to have your passport when you're shopping and they'll pretty much record that information and they'll send it to customs, pretty much saying, hey, uh, this person bought such product from this store. When they leave the country, we will reimburse them the 11% of the 22% taxes. So that's one of the reasons why so many people shop in Europe. It's because you save a lot more money. One, the cost of goods is cheaper. Two, you get back half of your taxes. So in the end, it comes up to being cheaper buying it in Europe than it is at home sometimes. Exactly. So when you do go shopping in some of these places, bring your passport with you so you can ensure that you can uh, qualify for that. Keep all your receipts. I know Japan does uh, something very similar where you go back to the airport before your flight and you talk to someone and they'll reimburse you all of the tax money before you go. Yeah. And, and, another, and another cool tip uh, is that pretty much uh, the duty free that we get is 800 Canadian dollars per person. 
But depending on the agent you get, like the one that we got when we came back from Europe, he was pretty nice. He goes, hey, so the four of you, you get a total of 3,200. Give me all your receipts and I'll just deduct the 32 you have cumulatively. And then you, you only have to pay the taxes on whatever is above the 3,200. Whereas technically how they're supposed to do it is if let's say two people went, one person bought for a thousand and one person bought for zero. Well, the person who bought for zero, nothing happens to them. The one who bought for a thousand, you would think that they're able to take the 200 from the other person who didn't spend, but that's not the case. So you're supposed to take out the 800 duty free you have, and then you're supposed to pay taxes on the 200 for you yourself. So again, the duty free is not supposed to be transferable, but I think a lot of the agents are pretty lenient with that uh, if you're a couple, if you're a family. So good little tip to know, because I didn't know this when I was traveling uh, through. Mm, got it. So don't, don't, don't uh, put a receipt for alcohol on your kids. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously not theirs. <laughs> so I think we kind of, uh, you know, got a lot of those things of, you know, what to do, where to do, how to do it. Now there's a couple of stuff that we don't, we don't like to talk about because it's not the fun part, but it has, you know, it happened to somebody. We, we never hope that it happens to us, but it has to some happen to somebody. So one of those things is what to do if you lose your luggage. So this happened to me actually when I was in Europe, uh, they lost my luggage for about five days. Uh, when you lose your luggage, what you wanna do, obviously first thing you do is go to the counter, speak to the agent, give them all of your information, the hotel you're staying at, um, pictures, information about your luggage, the size, the colors and all that stuff. And that way they can pretty much try to figure out how to return the luggage to you when they eventually find you. Um, and again, for, for lost luggages, that's, that's why, again, for me, I'm a stickler for having a, a luggage tag on it, just in case to give anybody else an extra uh, reminder of who this bag belongs to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And also when you lose your luggage, you can definitely you know, go buy it. You, you can go buy you know, clothing to make up for those days. Make sure to keep those receipts because you can always claim it back, um, you know, hopefully with your credit card company, if not with the airline. So again, um, make sure you keep all your receipts if you need to buy anything to make up for the lost luggage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, double check the the fine print on your credit card insurance. Generally, if you're paying like an annual fee on your credit card, it should include something similar to to like a baggage loss insurance thing. So uh, just, you know, make sure you take the time to read it, know how much you would actually qualify for and then, you know, make sure you stay within those limits. Yeah. Now for things like delays and cancellations, hopefully this doesn't happen to you. Generally with delays, unfortunately that, especially if you have connections, it, it affects, um, you know, where you get placed afterwards. So airlines are generally proactive with rebooking you if they know you will miss the connection. So there's no need to actually stress on the plane, knowing your delay. It's like, oh my God, what do I do when I land? Um, just try to get some internet. Chances are there is an email waiting for you with your new flight information. In fact, sometimes the, um, the gate people that you're coming into will have your new ticket for you. Hopefully that is the case and you won't actually have to line up at the connecting airport just to figure things out. But there's no need to stress over that. It's more so like, don't worry, they'll make sure they actually put you on a flight. It's just a matter of when. Um, yeah, but, but definitely do go speak to uh, a gate yeah. agent as soon as possible. Uh, again, with all of these things, always try to be more proactive, in my opinion. Uh, speak to people, try to get the information, because again, at the end of the day, um, no one cares about your flight, your trip, your vacation as much as you do, right? I mean, these guys are handling hundreds of people. So as much as, yes, sometimes they might have 
your tickets for you. Yes, sometimes they might have booked you already. Again, you just never know. Just go speak to somebody and make sure you have a solution uh, onto your next leg or how to get home. For sure. Yeah, just, just use your teamwork, you know, line up, but at the same time, try to get internet at the same time, see if, if everything was already done for you. If it's not, then at least you're in line waiting for somebody who can help you out. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes they actually won't be able to help you out. So I had a recent uh, flight in which it got canceled due to crew, crew shortage, which actually happens a lot now because of yeah. all the shortages. So um, it was actually to a point where there were too many cancellations due to crew shortage that their booking provider was not able to book a hotel for us. So they kind of left us on our own and we we're kind of like left in the dark and just like, sorry guys, you're gonna need to find your own hotels. So at the end of the day, if you are a Canadian and you're flying domestically, you're at least covered by something called the air passenger protection regulations, which allow you a certain base reimbursement depending on how long your flight delay was. So it's generally between 125 to $1,000 depending on your airline and the number of hours you were delayed. However, um, you know, like this is only for stuff that they control. So if it's a crew shortage, definitely like you should um, be covered by that regulation because that's a fault of the airline. But just know that, you know, crappy things can happen. Keep all your receipts. And of course, go through the air passenger protection regulations for that if you are flying uh, domestically in Canada and make sure you do the steps necessary to get your money back. Yeah. And you know what? That's what it is. At the end of the day, um, we all know what it's like traveling right now. We all know how much of a mess it is. So, at the, at, you know, it's pretty much a gamble. We're all willing, you know, we're, we're willingly to take right now. We, we want to travel. We want to go somewhere, but also just know that there are chances of, you know, delays, cancellation, lost luggage. And as much as you want to get upset and pissed off at somebody and you want to yell at somebody and take it out on somebody, uh, guys and girls, please don't do that. Uh, these are all just regular day-to-day -day people like you and me who are working a job where they have to take care of a lot, a lot of you know pissed off people that have problems and they're not getting paid enough because there's a shortage, shortage of workers as well. So again, just be kind, be courteous. Um, you yelling at people is not going to get your luggage from you know Paris to Montreal any faster at all. So definitely be nice, be kind, be mindful. Uh, of the things you say to people and even other travelers around you, right? It, it is a very stressful time to travel. So guys, be kind. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, like being nice will actually go a long way for you. And that's generally the sentiment I get when I'm flying. If you're nice to people, they will be nice to you in return. Um, the ones who are yelling and screaming, those are the ones that, you know, get cared about less. To Those be are the honest. ones that you find on uh, world star that are screaming and getting pulled out by security, which I enjoy watching sometimes, but <laughs> try, try anybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume will not be one of those people. If you follow all of our tips and tricks of what to do, what not to do, you will not get dragged out of the airport by security for sure. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Number one tip, be flexible. That's, that's it. Like that's what it comes down to when you're traveling. So be Absolutely. flexible and expect hope for the best but expect you know the, the worst and honestly just be happy and appreciative that you are able to travel and be somewhere else and have a vacation a lot of people can't so again everything is all about perspective so i think this pretty much sums up everything we wanted to 
uh, talk about and tips and tricks and what to do, what not to do when you're traveling. So hopefully this was uh, helpful to you. Uh, I think we're going to have like a little link somewhere or put you know, this list of everything we mentioned. So it's a bit easier for everyone to kind of uh, visualize and see and maybe even have it as a, as a checklist for when you guys are traveling. Because again, there are a lot of people traveling the next couple of months. So, uh, you know, be smart when you travel, make it, you know, be organized and you're going to enjoy your trip that much more by spending those few extra minutes uh, planning things ahead of time. For sure. If you found this uh, podcast useful, please share it with your friends, family. Um, you can follow, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you're listening from, whether that's anchor.fm slash know your potential. You can go to knowyourpotential.com. That's N-G-O, yourpotential.com. Uh, we have our Instagram um, and stuff. So feel free to follow us and suggest any sort of future podcast that might be useful to you. So thanks again, David. Um, we'll definitely see you guys next time on Know Your Potential. Take Phil, care, thank you so much for this. I will be seeing you next week in Toronto for your wedding. And hopefully none of us have any issues with our luggages. Yeah, listen to this podcast <laughs> and share with them. All right, take All right, care, everybody. everybody. Have a great day, guys. Take care.